0: Welcome to the premier episode of the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast. I'm your host, Keith Needham, a sports fanatic and self-admitted degenerate gambler. This pod is for those of you with a love and a passion of all things sports and sports gambling. Weekly picks, parlays, previews and reviews, and the occasional bad beat or all fair game, as well as a little smack talk and some shenanigans along the way. In this initial episode, I'm joined by my good friend and fellow degenerate, Chad Ford, Chad and I focus this initial conversation on NFL and college football props for the 2020 season. In future episodes, we'll be interviewing sharps and gurus from across the country, and we'll also provide weekly picks and news as the 2020 sports calendar continues to unfold. We're incredibly excited to launch this new podcast on the Sports Pros Network, and we appreciate you, the listeners, for giving it a chance. So without further ado, here it is, the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, Episode
1: one.
0: Welcome everyone to the Boondoggles Blind Squirrels and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network where we're always talking sports. So let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today by my good friend and longtime gambling buddy, Chad Ford. Chad, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Keith. Thanks for having me on today. No, excited to have you here, bud. Excited for this this maiden voyage, man. So kind of <laughs> kicking off the uh, the BBSBC podcast. And, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, sports and sports gambling, and that's what it's about. And uh, so, so we're super excited uh, uh, to kind of get it going today. But, you know, Chad, uh, you know, obviously before we really get going on this, it's important that we show a little bit of love to our sponsor, and that being Chalk Sports Bar, which is obviously a place you know a little bit about. Uh, Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Uh, Chad, you've put together an amazing team over at Chalk, and our listeners can follow you guys on the web at chalkokc.com or follow you on Instagram at chalkokc. In my humble opinion, it's the closest thing to a Vegas sports book you'll find in Oklahoma, and there's no better place to have a conversation about big wins, bad beats, and all while watching the live action unfold on the dozens of big screens inside always the favorite that's chalk luxury sports bar, man. You got to tell us a little bit about how the concept and idea of chalk came together. And more importantly, how you guys pulled it off, man. How were you able to, to create such an awesome place to watch games and have a good time?
1: Well, I think it all starts with you people like you and I just damn degenerates, I guess you would say is like, who else is going to go throw a, a bunch of money at big screens at a, at a sports bar concept, unless someone is, uh, really invested heavily <laughs> into the sports scene. Um, we were uh, honestly, it's just a group of guys that was coming together, and uh, we looked at it as a situation of there was a niche and a need out there at OKC for something like that, and uh, you know what? We just we just went with it um, at the end of the day. And like I said, our our favorite uh, place to ever go was probably Caesar Sportsbook. Uh, just if you if you've ever seen that casino, it is like a wall of LEDs wrapped around there. It's almost like a semicircle uh, that. We just fell in love with, and we wanted to bring that scene to OKC.
0: Well, you you, you pulled it off, and it's an amazing place. And and I'll tell you that you know it, it has that look and feel of a Vegas sportsbook, but the food is is way better as well. So so the the <laughs> uh, the, the, the menu is uh, does, doesn't leave anything uh, uh, to be lacking on that front. So never never had a bad meal there, and, uh, and obviously never had a bad drink, bad drink there either. So <laughs> all right, brother. I don't think there's any bad drinks. <laughs> That's true. So well, hey man, you know it was a busy week uh, Labor Day weekend. Lots of sports uh, going on, different, different types of sports, but but the betting angles as well. So you know, let, let's do a little recap and kind of go through over over what we saw over the weekend. And, uh, and maybe talk a little bit about some of the big things that kind of happened on that front from a sports gambling perspective. And, and, man, let's kick it off with the PGA Tour Championship. You know, you and I, we, we like to dabble. We like to play a little bit of golf, and, and obviously we like to gamble because otherwise we wouldn't be here. But did you have any skin in the game uh, down at East Lake and Hotlanta this weekend? DJ pulled it off, but uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, at the end of the day,
1: when I, when I looked at the overall screens and whatnot, obviously, Dustin Johnson was a huge favorite. Uh, I didn't see too much value on the board with the way they do the setup. You know, Dustin starting at 10 under, um, Rom starting at 8 under, and JT starting at 7 under. It just makes it tough um, to go out there and find value. If you want to find value, it's go and find someone in that four and three under range, like a Hideki Matsuyama or a Sung J M or something like that. But I honestly didn't put any skin in the game on it. Me and the buddies did a couple golf drafts and stuff like that, uh, for some different scenarios to where we set up one for gross score and then one for net score. And that was kind of fun. But at the end of the day, it just makes it tough with the format that's put forth there. I mean, you can always go out there and get DJ, but at the same time, you're laying almost, you know, 200 bucks to 100 on that.
0: Yeah. And, and, really kind of, you know, somewhat anticlimactic down the stretch the last couple of holes, you know, there was a point where Justin yeah. Thomas and Xander Shoffley, you know, they, they closed within two strokes and Hey, you know, maybe, maybe if DJ makes a mistake here, it could get a little tight down the stretch, but man, he, he's just so consistent. He's, he's so, um, uh, uh, you know, he makes it look easy, which you and I both know that it's not easy because we're, 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 <laughs> we're, we're weekend duffers from a golf uh, standpoint, although, although we're able to get around the course a little bit, but then I'll tell you, I I've been out of the loop a little bit. I, I, Remember when the FedEx Cup champ got ten million bucks, and, and DJ yeah. actually got a, got an extra five mil out of this thing, so it's fifteen million bucks now. So, uh, God bless the the good folks at uh, FedEx. I guess. I mean, right now with COVID and everything going on, I'm sure they're <laughs> they're doing all right. You're having to ship stuff all over the country, I guess. So, but an extra five mil for the champ this year.
1: I mean, it, it, it's crazy to look at how much money is spread across that FedEx Cup. I, I think the total prize pool was sixty million dollars. Um And and honestly, there's it's not like there's a ton of events that are wrapped up into this thing. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, there was only like 15 or 16 events that lead to FedEx cup points, which gets you in position to kind of do this thing. And then it, like you said, it's, it's three, three events down the stretch to where they, you know, they start with 125 and then they knock it down to 60 and then, or 75, I believe. And then all of a sudden it's 30. Um, And then you have the staggered starts and it's just, it's a wild format, you know. It's it's definitely like NASCAR now.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that, that that's a good analogy for sure. So, but yeah, DJ, you know, obviously he, he'll be the favorite going into the U.S. Open next week, which we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. As we kind of foreshadowing uh, uh, some some look aheads to the next week and stuff. But a first, second, and a first during the uh, the, the three uh, three event uh, run here on the FedEx Cup. So a deserving champion. He crosses that off the list. I think it was one of the uh, the major tournaments that he had yet to win. Uh, it, uh, obviously, a couple majors that he's yet to win as well. But, um, you know, adds that to the resume and uh, will obviously be the favorite going into the U.S. Open. Uh, next at,
1: the, at the end of the day, it's like a big middle finger, you know, a big fuck you to
0: uh, Brooks Kepka, right? Yeah, you know, Koep- and, and that, that's a budding rivalry, right? Or maybe not even yeah. a budding rivalry. That's an established rivalry. I mean, I'm super stoked about that for the Open because that, those, neither of those guys, they hold back. They get a little swagger uh, to them for sure. And so uh, it, it's creating uh, – it, it's kind of what we need, right? You think back, what, 15- 15, 15 years ago, we had Tiger and Phil, and, you know, not, not that it was uh, as quite as, as open, uh, perhaps the dislike between those two then, but, you know, kind of a cold war on the golf course, for lack of a better term, but, you know, you yep. need those rivalries, right? That's what makes it good, and you got, you, you know, so many of these young players that are coming up on the PGA right now, Morikawa, Justin yeah. Thomas, Xander, I mean, these guys that, that seem to be on the doorstep. Uh, and, and could possibly kind of insert themselves into that conversation as well. So but, you know, definitely definitely looking forward to the uh, U.S. Open coming up, and like I said, we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later in the pod. But, you know, another thing that's near and dear to our hearts, Chad, uh, is that of the, the the ponies, right? And we had the Kentucky Derby, uh, strangely enough, on Labor Day weekend this past weekend in, in a little bit of an upset, right? Uh, the, the number 18 horse, Authentic, at 8-1, to one, uh, upset Tiz the Law, the the betting favorite, but uh, I, I have to assume that you had, had a little skin in the game on the Derby, Chad. It just wouldn't be with you if you didn't have skin in the game on the Derby.
1: I did, man. Uh I actually ended up buying a, um, oh, I want to say it was after the Saratoga Stakes or after the Florida Derby, one of the two. I ended up buying a future bet on Tiz the Law. Um, ended up having him to win the Kentucky Derby. I think my final odds were two to one. Um, so at the when the day started, I loved my odds at that point, obviously, because he was going off at about a three to five or a one to two favorite at that point. Um, I had a couple horses thrown in there for a trifecta and didn't end up getting there. Actually, Mr. Big News caused me to lose um, on, the, on the trifecta in just because he was such a long shot. And I, I didn't foresee him, you know, going off at 45 to one, you start throwing in I think there was only 16 horses in the Derby this year. I think you start throwing in three or four long shots, but it's not like you're taking the 50 and the 75 to ones at that point. Yep.
0: No, you you mentioned uh, Mr. Mr. Big News at forty five to one. You know, for a trifecta bet, a fifty cent trifecta paid out at six hundred and fifty six dollars. And so, yeah, that that forty five to one really really propped up some numbers. But you know, not not sure that a lot of bold betters uh, were probably looping him into the trifecta, if I had to guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly a, a smaller field. What the Derby usually has, what, twenty to twenty one horses, I think, is kind yeah. of the max, right? And so, um, you know, again, another another side effect of COVID and all the things that are going on. But you know, along those lines as well, looking ahead again. And, and this is a, maybe a little bit of a look ahead, but you did mention a futures bet on Tis the Law leading into the Derby. You know, there are some futures up for the Preakness next month, uh, which is October 3rd. And again, uh, due to COVID, we're all out of whack this year, right? So we had the Belmont first, the Derby second, and now uh, the Preakness uh, being the final race of the Triple Crown. And, and obviously, no, no one's going to be going for the Triple Crown this year with uh, authentic uh, uh, winning uh, this past weekend. But does anybody jump out to you, Chad, on the futures bets for the Preakness next month?
1: Honestly, at almost three to four to one, I'd look at Art Collector. Um, he was he was a Derby favorite. He finished second to Tis the Law, and I believe the the Florida Derby. Um, I think he could come out with a strong showing, considering that Tiz the Law is not going to be. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be a huge factor. But uh, then again, I mean, he definitely could come back and 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 just win this one. I mean, he's he uh, out of the starts this year. He's gotten four firsts and a second. Um, but I'd probably stay away from him, but that's just me. Um, there's always a letdown from your first loss.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, and, and there are, there are some odds out there on Tis the law running in the Preakness, but I think it's still somewhat up in the air right now. I guess the field hasn't, hasn't been formalized in the, in the deadline to, uh, uh, add the horses uh, to to the race is still, still another week or two away and stuff. But, uh, no, going to be fun, right? So, um, you know, we, we used to, uh, uh, you know, always, uh, you know, do something out at Remington, the local racetrack here during the races and stuff. We we would rent out a suite and get the guys together in a group and and go do that. But, again, uh, we're going to have to forego that this year, I guess, with, with COVID and all the things that are going on. But but hopefully the uh, the, the pony schedule gets back to normal Next year, and we can kind of dive back into it, uh, just like we have in years past. But looking yeah. forward, looking forward to the Preakness, uh, nonetheless. But um, you know, kind of lighter news, I guess. Chad, shifting gears a little bit, and I, I don't know if it's lighter now. I, I think it is now. But uh, you know, the, the the Joker, right? Novak Djokovic made made <laughs> me big news this weekend as he fired a tennis ball in in in, uh, in with a temper. Uh, and, and caught a line judge right in the throat, which you, you know, obviously you kind of laugh about it now because I think everybody's right. okay. But, uh, you know, scary moment uh, whenever it first happened. But, you know, I, I've watched the clip a couple of times, Chad, and I don't think that there was any intent to hit this lady on, on the line judge. But but obviously the red mist descended. He, he lost the plot for, for just a moment and it cost him big time. But uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on Yokovic? <laughs> Absolutely. and and let's be honest with this. If this ball had landed a foot
1: outside and not hit her, it wouldn't have been a story at all. He would have gone on to win the match and probably gone on to win the open. you know that's that's the thing for betters at this point is you finally get a tennis match you think you can call because Nadal's out, um, Federer's out. Andy Murray's recovering from like knee surgery, I believe. Joker's like the, the clear favorite in this thing. And for him to de- be like the first to ever get dis- disqualified from a major is just wild to me.
0: Yeah, I was trying to think, see like the odds. Yeah, I, like, I, I cannot recall anything even remotely close to this happening. You, you think back to the heyday, and, and we we were a little young during that period of time, but you know, the 80s, late 70s and 80s of of McEnroe and Connors and, and you know, all these, these, yeah. these tennis stars blowing up at the judges yeah. and, and just going on on rants and stuff and it's like I don't you know I maybe maybe there was a time of one of those guys that got disqualified from a tournament I don't really recall but you know this this is out out of right field man it, it was kind of wild uh, absolutely
1: and I mean even when you think back to Serena I think it was in the U.S. Open two or three years ago where she was verbally assaulting That's a right. judge yep, yep. and almost got That's to called. the point with like touching her racket to the judge if that doesn't warrant a disqualification. I'm not really sure what does like it, you know, in basketball, you're thrown out and all that good stuff, but you know, talk again about what a shitty year jokers had. (laughs) I mean, this is the guy that hosted his own tennis tournament during COVID thought nothing's going to happen. A video comes out of him and his buddies like shirtless, like slapping each other on the chest partying. And then all of a sudden everybody associated with the tennis tournament gets COVID.
0: Yeah. And he's just, the guy just needs to go on to the next year. Absolutely bail Absolutely. it in let's go to 2021 and see what happens yeah yeah social media has not been kind to jokovic <laughs> in 2020 and you know 2020's been a rough year for all of us but but certainly oh, yeah. he's made some bonehead decisions and some bonehead mistakes that uh, it's been easy for the uh, for the twitter sphere to kind of uh, gang up on Joker. and and you know perhaps rightfully so right he, he's made some uh, bonehead decisions here uh, over the last few months for sure so but uh, you know now what from an interesting angle from a betting standpoint Chad you know i've i've read and heard that some of the books... Have actually refunded the money that you know bets that were made on Yoker, and as you said, oh. he was he was a clear favorite to to win yeah. the U.S. Open. I you know I think it was like you know he had to lay you know minus one twenty five or maybe one oh five. He was almost you know close to even money, but was a clear favorite uh, from a betting standpoint. But I've heard of some books actually refunding the money and calling the bet off because of this, and so kind of a weird angle there. I don't think that that's consistent across the board, but uh, you know I guess if you had money on on Jokovic and you at least got your money back after this, that's probably the best that you could hope for. Absolutely. Um, If I was a sports
1: book, there's no way I'm refunding. At that point, like obviously when favorites win, it's just the worst thing for sports books at all. And, you know, it's a slim margin of business as it is. So I think you have to take any win you can get and look, look, this guy got disqualified. That's a loss. It goes down. i I'm not giving any of your money back. You, you think, disqualification.
0: <laughs> yeah, disqualification is part of the rules. And, and you know, oftentimes you, you see tennis players, they'll have to retire mid-set, you know, for an injury or something along those lines and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's not it's not so different from one of those, you know, types of goofy things. You know, it, they, these things happen in sports betting, right? So a guy gets hurt, you know, so a guy gets two technicals and thrown out of the game. It changes the course of the game in basketball or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to, to read that and hear that that some of the books were refunding the bet on that because of just the, the, the super odd and rare nature of, of, of the, uh, the event that led him to uh, getting disqualified. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm, I'm a tennis uh, expert by any means, although I usually do watch the majors and certainly the finals that are associated with it. But, uh, yeah, uh, kind of much more of an open field now from a U.S. Open men's side of it, at least, uh, now that Jokovic is, has been disqualified, and um, we'll see what happens over the weekend there. So, um, What you had, you know, moving on, to you know, obviously one of the biggest sports that's going on right now uh, in, in something that's near and dear to both our hearts is, is the NBA playoffs. Uh, the bubble uh, is, is continuing to move forward. Uh, we've got some games that, that took place last night. Obviously, you're Miami Heat. You know, I, I got to give you some love on this, Chad. You've been on the Heat uh, to kind of take that series. And, and they did so relatively easy over the Bucks, finishing them off last night 4 to 1. Obviously, Giannis. Uh, had the ankle injury and and, uh, and was out there and uh, but uh, you know you, you gotta you gotta get a puff out the chest a little bit Chad so talk talk a little <laughs> bit about the Miami heat thing
1: I've I've liked the heat always I mean if you looked at the regular season against the bucks they just match up so well and this is what I say about this heat team is they are a beautiful beautiful fit team together there's no one that just has chemistry issues and um like obviously we're from oklahoma city key so we all always knew about the chemistry issues with russ and kd and how they were gonna um affect each other but at the same time you have to sit there and go you know damn um the heat just fit you know the, the defensive minded here they go they're gonna knock the the socks off of people
0: yeah, and you know, in Spolstra, you know, maybe hasn't gotten the credit he's deserved from a coaching standpoint over the last few years. You know, obviously when the Big Three was at Miami, LeBron and uh, and Bosh and Wade were all together. It's like, well, the players are winning it, and he he was looked over there. And, and you know, Pat Riley, obviously, you know, he he his his resume speaks for itself, and putting teams together for the last 30, 40 years in the NBA on that front, whether it be coaching or from a GM standpoint. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, Butler, um, you know, he he, he, he played so well during the series and, 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 you know, I I think the Giannis ankle injury injury obviously impacted the series, but I don't think that the final outcome was going to change, you know, one way or the other. I think the heat were going to pro, uh, we're going to win that series. You know, maybe it goes to six, maybe it goes to seven. Yeah. You know, who knows? But, uh, uh but no, uh, Brilliantly put together team, well said, and uh, again, kudos to you for making the pick on that front.
1: Yeah, you know, they went off at 4-1 to before the series. I had a little bit of money on it, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm interested to see who's going to come out on, you know, boston or the celtic or excuse me not the boston or the celtic boston or the raptors on the other side i i have a feeling it's going to be the celtics but uh you know the the raptors are so scrappy and they're they're a lot like the heat where there's not just one star they can beat you with a multitude of fronts but the celtics just have star power um they might be young but i think they're uh really good
0: yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, you know, Toronto, are defending champ, right? So they get a heart of a champion and they're, they're not going to go down lightly for sure. But uh, as, as you mentioned, Boston leads that series 3-2. The, the, they're playing, they're the early tip tonight, uh, uh, Toronto and Boston. And then we have the uh, uh, game four of the Clippers and Nuggets where the Clippers have a 2-1 to lead in that series as the late tip tonight. Then, you know, obviously the other game last night, uh, the Lakers um, beat Houston 112-102. to They took a Two to one lead in that series as well. You had know, mentioned, you know, we're obviously from Oklahoma City and and have the ties to, uh, to the Thunder there. But um, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, it, it, you know, Jeff Green. Now it's like a recycled uh, <laughs> Thunder lineup from past years um, that that's going on down in Houston now. But you know, Houston came out and looked really really good in Game One, and then the Lakers seem to have tweaked things a little bit now and are starting to come back. You know, who who do you like coming out of the West, Chad?
1: Man, I I still like. Uh, coming out of the West or coming out of that series, I like the Lakers as it is. I just, I'm not betting against LeBron James. Uh, That's just a a mantra or whatnot. Now the Clippers look great, but if you're talking about which better team um, and which better do I like, I like, I like LeBron and AD, to conquer Kawhi and PG. Um, I think PG, he he has a tendency to slip during the playoffs and have those off games to where I don't think Anthony Davis is such a risk on those off games, man. LeBron James looked great last night too. He just looked in prime form. Um, and I just like, I like LeBron James as an offensive player over Kawhi. So if you're asking me who's coming out of the West, I still have the Lakers. I know it's not the the sexy pick. There's a lot of hate against the Lakers, but I'm just not betting against LeBron James.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you got to think that from a TV rating standpoint, you know, the NBA is rooting for that all LA final, right? So you, you've got that yep. Western conference finals, I should say, you know, the the premier duos, the premier matchups that, that are out in LA between the Clips and the Lakers. And so, uh, you know, one one seed versus two seed, right? So from a from a playoff matchup standpoint, that's the way you would expect it to turn out. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would I would assume that you know perhaps a, a Celtics Lakers or a Celtics Clippers final from a TV rating standpoint, is probably what they're rooting for at that point. And and you know yep. that's that would be my pick right now. I know I know you're big on the heat and we just we gave them so much love and rightfully so, but I, I would probably say Boston, uh, you know the old school classic, right? Give me the Celtics. Yeah. Give me the Lakers, right? I'll tune into that. I'll, I'll eat that up. I've got no qualms with that from an NBA final standpoint.
1: Yeah, and I can't disagree with you. If you if you put a you know a gun to my head and to ask me who to take on the Celtics and the Heat, I would honestly probably take the Celtics. I mean it's a it's a star power guard league, and if you're talking about the guards between you know Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kimba Walker, Kimba Walker, I'm gonna take those over. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn, and Goran Dragic. Yeah. Um, so I would I would tend to take the Celtics as well. Uh, I just think they're young. I think their time is coming. If you look at the Celtics roster, I think the only max contract player they have is Kimball Walker. I mean, Jason Tatum's only making like seven and a half million a year. Jalen Brown's barely making eight. Um, this is a roster set up to go get some key parts. Um, in the offseason and it would be one I'd want to join if I'm a you know a big star. Like say, for instance, I mean, I, I, if Giannis wanted to go to Boston, I mean, who's going to stop him? You've got Giannis, Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker all right there um, in their prime. And I know Jalen Brown will probably command close to a a max contract, uh, and Jason Tatum will too when the time comes, but. Again, they're young, uh, they're, they're barely into their first and second year contract, or their first and second contracts. I, I think they've got some time to where I look at the Heat and I go, you got to maximize your potential with Jimmy Butler right now, um, and especially Bama Adebayo.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, you know, you, you make a good point there with regards to where the Celtics are at, kind of in their, their their evolution, right? You think about kind of putting a team together, and we see it so often in sports, absolutely. Where some of those younger guys that are on their rookie contracts, you know, kind of they they progress perhaps at a faster rate than, than 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 the average, and that allows so much flexibility for cap space and being able to add parts to a team. And you know, you see it in basketball all the time. You see it in football, right? Yep. So you think back right. to you know a few years ago when the Seahawks were, were on that run and you know won that Super Bowl and, and you know. Russell Russell Wilson was on a rookie contract, and then you know we saw it just this past year. You know, despite in the offseason you know Patrick Mahomes got paid for sure, and, and that that contract will kick in. But you know, it's crazy to think he's still on a rookie contract, and just the flexibility that it allowed to have a super duper star making you know uh, not not league minimum per se, but you know not not a, you know, a max player, but not a max player contract, and the flexibility that allows you to put together a team. I mean, that's a general manager's dream for sure. Uh,
1: absolutely, and I think I mean if you you take it to the NFL, you're absolutely right i mean i think they still put two years left of uh pat mahomes on his rookie contract before they start hitting that 40 45 million dollars a year and it's right where the dallas cowboys are at right i mean with with dak is they're sitting there going we want some flexibility we want to put some weapons out there because they see that's how you win these super bowls if you look back to every brady super bowl it's not like brady was getting 25 30 billion a year he, t- he signed team friendly deals and that's easy to do when your wife's giselle uh but the the other side of that, like you said, with, um, uh, you know, you take Russell Wilson, I think Peyton Manning signed a pretty friendly deal with Denver for one or two years. You have to do that to have flexibility on your defensive line, be able to pay some of these defensive backs and also these wide receivers um, just to just to give yourself options.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, and, you, and you touch on football, Chad. And so, you know, if we can make a quick transition here to to, to the uh, football, but college football, you know, obviously very passionate about college football. You and I, you know, have been in a college fantasy football league for, you know, damn near 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, you know, obviously, that's a big part of, of what we do on Saturdays in the fall. Um, you know, college football, it, it it started in earnest. You know, it dipped a toe this weekend over the Labor Day weekend. You know, so many games being um, uh, pushed back or postponed due to COVID and conference only play and things of that nature. But, but we did have a few games to, to watch and kind of get an idea uh, of how some of these uh, G5 schools might might play out over the course of the season. But did anything kind of jump out to you over this, this abbreviated opening weekend of college football over Labor Day, Chad? I think
1: just the surrealness of it, right? Like we've been holed up in our sheds and our houses for the past six months as it is, and being told that this can't happen, nothing can happen. If it's not outside of, if it's not inside of a bubble, it's not going to work and yet you were able to see some of these smaller schools make it happen. Uh, You know, your Memphis, your Arkansas State, your Navy, your BYU, uh, they went out and got it done. And I'm wondering if, you know, the Big Ten right now is having regrets, which they obviously are because they're talking about playing a fall schedule, of coming out and saying, you know, hey, we're going to push this over um, into the the spring. I totally understand the Pac-12 stance. I mean, you've got California as probably – the most COVID rich state in, in the nation right now, they're them in New York. So I get them pushing the schedule out, but big 10, I was just kind of, Hey, you know, is, is there a little, not necessarily left-wing bias, but Northeast bias going on with the addition of like Rutgers and Northwestern that's pushing some of these, what I would call more Midwestern schools that I wouldn't think would be as affected by covid uh, from having a season.
0: Yep. Now, and, 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 you know, along that point too, you know, yesterday I saw the, the breaking news or uh, breaking news, but a news, news blip, I should say about, uh, some, some, uh, con- congressmen and senators from, I want to say it was several states in big 10 country. I know it was Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, that, that had written letters to big 10 commissioner, Kevin Warren, you know, jumping on that same bandwagon, saying, "Hey, look, it's not too late. You know, we can we can make an about face, and we can still get a fall football season in." I've heard dates range between October tenth as as late as November, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, right? Kind of kicking yeah, off there, but kicking it, off the things. Yeah, you have to wonder. You know, now that they they've taken such a hardline stance and jumped out ahead of it, you know, would it, would there be too much crow to eat? For the Big Ten, and Kevin Warren perhaps in particular, uh, to kind of make that about face and say, no, okay, we got it wrong, we admit, uh, we're going to come back and, and, and try to put together a fall season. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, everything in, in today's society, unfortunately, has become politicized to a certain degree. And, and you see the tweets and um, on both sides of the uh, aisle on that front about, you know, whether whether there should be college football in the state of Ohio, right, for the fall. Yeah. It's like, you never would have <laughs> thought that would have been a political hot button, but man, it, over the last two weeks, it's certainly <laughs> become that way, so...
1: Absolutely. It is. And, and let's talk about, you know, commissioner Warren for the big 10 who's had a worse year, him or Joker. Oh.
0: Oh my goodness! I, I, I mean, he I takes mean, the job. He's yep. first
1: year stepping yep. into this these shoes to have to make these decisions. Like yep. takes the job no in way. January,
0: and it's been one shit show after another. You know, <laughs> just just landed on his doorstep, just a flaming flaming bag of poop uh, uh, at every turn. You know, you go go back to COVID, you go back to cancellation of the uh, March yep. Madness tournament, and it just it's gotten progressively worse <laughs> for him from that point forward. So you know, I, you, you got to feel for the guy to a certain degree, but you know, also that's that's why they, you know they get paid the big bucks to kind of make right. those tough decisions and to be the face and uh, uh, to kind of take the slings and arrows that, that the public may throw at them. So, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Chad, you know, one thing that kind of jumped out to me that that was, you know, you couldn't help but um, notice it. And maybe it's not, you know, historically, you go back over a week one and, and you look there, there are tons of blowouts, but man, there, there were outside of the Texas State SMU game, which was surprisingly close. I don't think it was anticipated to be a, a one score game. It was blowout city for the most part. And so, you know, betting the favorites uh, w- was probably the the way to go on that front. Although, you know, the BYU Navy game was, was you know, relatively close on a line. And man, BYU just smacked them down Monday night.
1: Yeah, it really goes in to show you how much of a different, I guess you would say, learning curve comes with these guys coming up. And, and I'll be honest, I took Navy. I took Navy in the points, which was one point. Um, on this, but thinking back through the logic and you start listening to some of the announcers, hey, you know, 60% of BYU's roster is like over 22 or 23. They're going to be a little bit more mature. They've gone on mission trips. Like you think about compliance. And if someone in an authoritative position at BYU tells you to do something, you're you're probably going to follow to where I I think Navy they're, they're in the same thing, but they're all younger kids. They're 18, 19, they're going through ROTC right now. Um, they're still you know, meeting in classrooms and all that. And honestly, just from their standpoint, I, if I was in the armed forces right now, I don't know what kind of shit show would be going through my head right now. If I'm an 18, 19 year old kid, Um, you know, they're talking about different things with the administration and what, what's going on. Obviously we don't want to get too political on this thing, but at the end of the day, if I'm, if I'm in the armed forces, whether it's Navy, army, um, air force, all that, I'm sitting there going in and in college going, what a shit show is going on. And, what is my life going to look like in two to three years?
0: Yeah, I mean, the the most impressive young men, you know, across our country are are probably those young men that are enrolled and playing football or playing some sort of sports at Navy, uh, the Army, or, or the Air Force Academy you know to not only balance the the academic rigors of those schools because they're fantastic schools first and foremost but you know to also play a sport which at most other universities is a full-time job in and of itself yeah. but then to also you know balance yeah. in or squeeze in that third element of, of, of the service to your country and the in the uh, training and all the things that go along with that I mean yeah i I, I can't imagine <laughs> being a 20 year old kid at, at one of these academies getting ready for a football season with all this crazy stuff that's going on so uh, you know you you, you, you hope you look to those young men and hope the future of this country is in, in good hands, right? So it's like maybe there's a <laughs> there's there's a beacon of hope that we can look at there, saying it's like, well, these are the guys that are really going to be defending us and uh, uh, doing doing the right things on that front. But uh, but no, I, I'm kind of with you. you know I thought and, and you saw that play out in the Army Middle Tennessee game, right? So the 42 nothing Army just a beat down, and you kind of think that you know, hey, these service academies, they're probably going to be more disciplined. You know, they're probably going to be able to keep focus. And, and given all the crazy stuff that's going on, would there, would there be an advantage there? And you saw it play out there. But, yeah, I mean, that, that BYU-Navy game, you know, like you said, you, you, you noted that the BYU guys are typically a little more mature, and maybe that factored into it as well. But uh, kind of kind of a surprising result. But, um, you know, we'll see if Navy bounces back, right? So I, I think they're still yeah. one of the better teams in that American Conference, which, you know, we'll get to that here in a little bit on, on our prop bets and stuff. But, you know, that the AAC, you know, I think it's going to be really fun to watch this year. And, and if there was ever a year that you could squeeze a conference champion from a G five uh, conference into the playoff, uh, you know, yeah, Cincinnati, Memphis, you know, Central Florida, uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch and see how that conference uh, develops and unfolds here over the months to come. So, but I'm, I'm looking yeah, forward to that.
1: It's de- it's definitely this year with only three power conferences yep. playing.
0: Yeah. Well, Chad, we, we got we have to at least make some mention of Major League Baseball. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie and say that I'm, I'm I'm a big gambler on Major League Baseball, uh, but you know we're roughly two thirds of the way through the abbreviated season for for MLB, and I think to no one's surprise, the Dodgers are, are running away with the NL at this point. You know, a 31 and 12 record, um, you know, and, and just looking dominant across the board. But you know, one thing that you know perhaps surprises me a little bit, and and again, I'm not going to. Pro- pretend to be an expert on MLB but you know the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL you know best record in the AL and and have looked really really good through the first 40 games give or take you know any skin in the game any 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 sort of uh, uh props or angles in Major League Baseball that's kind of jumping out to you this week.
1: Honestly not right now. Before the season I had a little bit of money or, or still during the season I had a little bit of money on the Yankees uh on the World Series run. I think they got them at 5 or 6 to 1 at, at, at some point. You know, basically they were the second line favorite but behind the Dodgers. And it has been a uh fire show, I guess you would say over the past 3 weeks for the Yankees. Um they started out like 19 and 6 on a 50 game slate. They're now 21 and 21 at
0: 50 50% yeah, lost, lost 5 in a row. Yeah. Lost oh my around. gosh. Yeah, yeah.
1: They've uh they've just gone through an absolute terrible time on injuries and that's been the story the last 2 years like you know you've got Juan Carlos Stanton you've got Aaron Judge you've got these big guys that are out there playing and putting so much stress torque on their body from the from the hard swings and yet they're getting these little injuries whether it's a, it's a tweak to the knee it's a tweak to the elbow it's a tweak to the shoulder you know a pec muscle or one I mean, I think that comes with the rigors as it is. I mean, we saw Tiger with it, you know, they always talked about Tiger and his swing mechanics and how, Hey, he's never going to be able to hold up. His back's not going to hold up. I think you're seeing it with these, these star players that are younger that they're swinging a, you know, obviously a baseball bat that weighs a hell of a lot more than a golf club. And they're swinging it at a large object, you know, in comparison to a golf ball. And it's just a lot of torque on those muscles and, Honestly, what exercise do you do to prepare yourself to swing at an exit velocity of 120 miles an hour on, on a baseball bat? I mean, it's just a, it's a, I guess you would say just a, a,
0: a, such a unique, unique motion. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. absolutely. And it's, it's so um, explosive that, what are you going to do to prepare for that? I mean, you know, Hey, you shoot a thousand jump shots in basketball. It's the same motion. It's fluid. It's, 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 it's nice. It's easy. It's smooth, but a baseball swing. I mean, King Griffey Jr. Had it best, but he made it look easy. But these guys, they are just swinging as hard as they can. And, you know, that's the risk you run, I guess.
0: 162 games a year on a normal year, you know, year in, year out, six months, seven months a year. You know, and you think about the off-season training that goes into it as well. You know, these guys barely have an off-season. But, man, I'll tell you, I – i was taking apart a sectional on the in the uh, uh the fourth floor kind of the the rec room this weekend and, and it's a, it's a well put together sectional right so and we're, we're going to yeah. sell it and kind of you know get a new couch the 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 missus wants a, a new a new setup up there and chad i was on my back with a screwdriver unscrewing some and and the next day i i felt like i i, I had the crap beat out of me i was so sore oh, and stuff. Yeah. so you want to talk about you know uh, <laughs> living living with the rigors of of of, of an unnatural position. I, it, it, it was hard to get to some of those screws to get that sectional uh, taken apart. And uh, I never felt older um, as I did Monday morning, whenever I woke up from taking that sectional (laughs) apart. And so I was
1: like, I'm right there with you. You know, I got three kids at the house and you know, if I have got a little three-year-old that he wants to go on a walk or whatnot and a walk to him is going outside and daddy carrying him down to the pond to look at fish. Well, at the end of the day, like I don't feel old, what not but I you know, I still feel like I could go play a basketball game. I could go play a baseball game, but you're not lying. I woke up the next day and you're just carrying a child at 90 degree right arm. He's barely 3040 pounds. But at the end of the day, like you wake up that next day and you are just <laughs> sore and hurting. Your back's been in a weird position. Your arm's been in a weird position. Your neck's been in a weird position, and it's just you know you feel like you got to go to the chiropractor. There,
0: there's some sort of you know roller coaster cliff that 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 I think most men in, in experience between the age of like thirty and like thirty seven. And man, it's it's steep on the back hill. <laughs> it's real hard. It's real hard. Exponential decline, dude. So, but okay, chat. Well, you know, kind of you know. We, we fancy ourselves a, a sports betting and a gambling podcast here. And so we'd be remiss if we didn't make some mention here uh, of, of, of poker legend Mike Sexton passing away over Labor Day weekend. 72 years old, uh, probably most uh, or best known at least to, to our age demographic as a commentator on the World Poker Tour, which you know, I think would be on Fox Sports a lot uh, back in the day, late at night, maybe a Friday night or Saturday night. You know, they would go to all these crazy locations around the world, have these these poker tournaments, and, and Mike was uh, was usually the voice of, of that. But uh, you know. Texas Hold'em, poker, uh, near and dear to our hearts. We, we played it a lot as younger men, as single men, uh, before, before we got married and kids started coming, coming along and stuff. But, uh, you know, any, any thoughts on the passing of Mike Sexton, 72 years old, so had a good run at it. And, man, what, what, a, what a fun life uh, as well, going around the world and commentating on poker and being a, a Poker Hall of Fame. But uh, sad to see him go this weekend.
1: Absolutely, and you know he he lived a life that we all wanted to live: gambling for a living, playing poker for a living, and then being paid money to commentate it. And if you look back at him, he was probably one of, if not one of the leaders in pushing the poker front out into the mass audience. You think of Chris Moneywaker winning the World Series of Poker, yeah. you think of Lon McCarron, you think of Norman Chad. But at the end of the day, those those guys only announced poker one time a year, and that was you know the seven six days for the World Series of Poker. Mike Sexton he was in your face once a week usually. And I mean, let's be honest, like, you you know, at, at one or two o'clock in the morning, you're watching Fox sports one reruns of it, having a drink and you're just trying to wind down from, from the day or the weekend and, that's what's on and that's what you love.
0: Yeah, no, he, he did an amazing job calling. It. And again, yeah, really, really kind of brought it into the mainstream to a certain degree, right? So uh, Texas Hold'em was uh, was kind of this uh, dirty backroom type of thing that, you know, yeah. uh, you didn't know much about. And, and, you know, starting in, you know, maybe the 2000s, it seems like, uh, uh, it really started becoming mainstream, and Mike was a big part of that. So, so R.I.P. to Mike Sexton. Uh, sad, sad to see him go, but a wife, uh, a life well lived uh, for sure. So, uh, we'll check, we're kind of looking ahead now. So, we, we, we've got you know obviously a big week in sports betting uh, coming up as well. You know, our beloved football, the NFL, is back. Uh, for sure. And so, so I know we're super excited about that, but, uh, you know, the, the annual Thursday night kickoff game, the tradition in the NFL. Now we've got Texans and chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champs and, in the chiefs are a big favorite here, man. 10 points, nine and a half points kind of depends upon which, uh, uh, which, which bookie, which odds uh, site you're, you're looking at, but that seems like a lot of points, but I know the chiefs are good. I know, you know, a lot of people are down on the Texans after, uh, uh, Hobson was tra- uh, uh, traded in the offseason. You know they they did just pay their man Deshaun Watson, so maybe that that kind of gets uh, gets things going on that front. But any any thoughts on this opening NFL matchup Thursday night?
1: I like you're saying NFL ten points is a lot depending on what line you get it at. But I've seen it anywhere from you know nine to ten points at that on that on that end. Anytime you get double digits, you usually play the dog in the NFL. Um, and I'm wondering if there's a lot of misconceptions or misguided, uh, hate going at the Texans. You know, there's a lot of people out there in the world that are smarter than I am that, uh, hate the way Bill O'Brien's running the Texans, um, basically paying his defensive guys. He just paid his quarterback, obviously, but getting rid of, uh, some of his star, uh, players at wide receiver, it's almost like he's, uh, he's taken, you know, the running back and the the wide receiver stars as he doesn't need, and he'd rather have role players for those positions, which, Hey, I get, you know, um, Baltimore's usually been great at that on the running back by committee com- uh, situation. But I, I think it was a little misguided on the wide receiver. Sometimes you just need a guy that can go up and get a ball. Um, but, you know, Bill O'Brien, he comes from that Patriot way of life, Belichick, and it's, hey, your steady man at the horn is your quarterback, and then you go out and you pay your defensive guys. Um and we'll kind of see it, but I'm wondering if that line is a little bit of misguided hate uh, on there, because I would I would think this line would be more about a touchdown on that.
0: Yeah, and and we've seen in years past too. You know, thinking back over the last few years at least, you know that that big, you know, all the tensions on the Thursday night game. You know, it's usually your know, defending Super Bowl champ or, or perhaps one of the you know the you know Super Bowl. Uh, participants and there's a lot of buzz around that game. And the road team comes in and in the underdog and, and kind of ends up winning <laughs> that game. We think back to absolutely last year, a couple years ago, the Chiefs went into uh, to Foxborough and just slapped the Patriots around on that opening game and stuff. And so we've seen it happen several times over the last few years. And so you know I'm I'm leaning Texans uh from a spread standpoint on on this front for all the things that you just said. Uh, Just I think you get a little bit of value on there. You know, Mike might put it in a teaser with with one of the games on Sunday or something like that. But uh, I would be a slight lean to Houston on this game. And it's so
1: scary because the Chiefs are so explosive. You can sit there and psychoanalyze it all you want that Pat Mahomes got paid. Their defensive players got paid. They got a new running back that's – I think he's going to be legit and put up big points. I just think this is an opportunity for a um, a slip game, so to speak. I I just – I have a feeling the Texans come out and I actually think they get a win straight up.
0: Okay. Wow. Big big pick there. So you could probably get some really good uh, action on on a, on a, a yeah. Money I think line you get standpoint. plus five
1: fifty or so, yeah, or plus yeah. three hundred, something yeah. like that. Yeah.
0: So three to one, three and a half to one, four to one, somewhere in that range. So so I like it. I like the, like the bold action, Chad. So uh, well, also on Thursday night, you know, we have uh, the 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 Power Five conferences kind of kicking off as well, and so the opening game there will be the Miami Hurricanes hosting UAB, and UAB looked pretty impressive uh, th- this past weekend, and their their opening matchup. Um UAB, you know, probably not a, a super sexy pick or, or or a college team that, that a lot of uh uh, you know maybe mainstream bettors and uh, fans are, are are aware of but you know uh, probably the favorite to win Conference USA this year you know that was a program that was really you know on 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 death's doorstep a few years yep. ago it, it kind of you know, went away for a couple years they brought it back and I'll tell you Bill Clark's done a fantastic job kind of building that together and, and they play old school football man I'm telling you they play great defense and, and they'll pound you uh, Spencer Brown at running back and, and, and they just they don't make a whole lot of mistakes and so you know as it stands right now. Now, you know, the Hurricanes are a 17-point favorite. Well, I, I should say they opened at a 17-point favorite that's come down a little bit to, to 14 and a half, 15, depending upon where you're at. But man, I I tend to think having a game under your belt might give you a little bit of an advantage. And then obviously you have the Canes breaking in a new quarterback and Derrick King, the transfer from Houston. I'm leaning towards the Blazers and UAB here, Chad. Talk talk me out of it, man.
1: <laughs> I don't think I can. I think I echo the same sentiments with you. As one, Miami's breaking in a new quarterback in De'Arck King. Now we know he does have a past history, but we don't know what he's done with this offensive coordinator or head coach. Uh, and that that always scares me. And then two, like you said, it's you're you're breaking in a new program, and we're in unprecedented times. You don't know how Miami's going to act. And let's let's be honest, Florida is one of the precipices of of you know, this COVID, uh, hit. And it's one of those that like, how much time did they actually get? Are they prepared? Are they ready? I tend to like you. I like a game under my belt. Um, you look at some of the big 12 situations too. They're going out and playing some, uh, G five conferences. And I'm, I'm fearful for those teams, especially 11 o'clock kickoff. You look at like an Arkansas state going and playing a K state that has upset bid written all over it for me.
0: No, you, you you make make a specific mention of the Big Twelve, and, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention a, a couple of postponements this week in Big Twelve country, right? So you have uh, yeah. Oklahoma State in Tulsa that's going to kick their game back a week to the September nineteenth weekend because you know Tulsa was a little bit behind on on practice and prep due to due to some COVID outbreaks there on their campus, and then uh, p- breaking late late last night. Uh, uh, you had a, a similar situation. Louisiana Tech and Baylor going to postpone their game because Louisiana Tech had a little bit of an outbreak, and they're, they're behind the eight ball uh, from a practice and prep standpoint. And, you know, probably just going to be one of those things that we're going to see pop up, you know, uh, every week, right? There's probably going to be two or three games right. that, that at least get postponed due to these types of scenarios. But, uh, you know, certainly, um, uh, you know, from a fantasy college football standpoint, you know, you, you you have to say that you're know, pushing your draft back as far as you possibly can, which we've done that uh, in, in our league as well. Um, you know, pushing it back as late as you can to kind of see how these things unfold and develop. But certainly plays havoc from a betting standpoint, right? So you have a game, oh, you have a yeah. line you really love, and then the game ends up getting postponed two weeks or a month or however, you know, it, whether it gets played again at all. But uh, any any other games from the Saturday slate of college football, Chad, that kind of jumps out to you this week?
1: Honestly, it's... It, at the end of the day, like, all the games jump out to you because they are one that we're actually getting college football. Now, most of everyone is opening with a, a subpar um, opponent at that end, uh, you know, but I, I think the one that did jump out to me, and it just announced, too, last night was the Arkansas State-K-State game getting pushed back. That got – or not pushed back, but excuse me, it got pushed up to an 11 o'clock kickoff that was going to be a 2.30. Um, another – I guess the only one of the marquee games of the weekend, when you look at, I guess, traditional powers, is maybe Georgia Tech, Florida State. Um, Notre Dame-Duke doesn't interest me too much. I think it's that's going to be a blowout. I, I tend to think Notre Dame's going to come out with some firepower. Um, but I, I'm kind of high on Florida State this year. I think they have a bounce-back year. Um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think I think Florida State's due to – have a year to where they at least challenge in the ACC again.
0: Yeah, and, and you know Mike Norvell coming in over from Memphis, you know, kind of an yeah. offensive guru, one of one of the you know highly touted young coaches that are out there in CFB today. You know, makes that move. And they've certainly had a tumultuous offseason as everyone has, but they've been in the news maybe a little bit more than most. But um you know, it's going to be interesting cuz you know Florida State certainly has the talent, right? So I I don't oh, think that that's changed. They they've still been able to recruit. You know, they they've had a crazy 5 years, right? You know, Jimbo Fisher leaving for uh uh, Texas A and M, and then Willie Taggart coming in, and, and and really not not working out at all. I think that was probably a an abject failure by by most both, most Knowles fans' uh, opinion on that front. But it seems like they may have the right guy right now in Mike Norvell. Uh, just yeah. because of his offensive uh, mind and what he's able to do there, but you know, it, a big big weekend for the ACC for the most part. They're kind of kicking off, and a lot of a lot of ACC teams playing. You know, I think the 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 Saturday night premier game is is number one: Clemson uh, at Wake Forest, and you know that lines I think you know roughly thirty three points right now, 32 and a half, uh, oh. depending upon where you get it. And I, I don't I don't think that there would be uh, uh, any any uh, uh, value on that front, uh, one way or the other, you know, Clemson will probably win that game uh, pretty big, but you know, do they, yeah. do they cover the 30, 32 and a half or not?
1: And, it, and at some point, if you're a degenerate, like we are, you're, you're just doing a coin flip, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not betting a full two or three units on the deal. You're just sitting there, man, I'm going to have a drink and I'm going to watch the game. I might as well have something on it. So, you know, here's one unit, here's half a unit, whatever. And how do you lean in those scenarios? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's I'm sure that we'll have action on it just 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 because that's what we do. But uh, you know, your your Texas Longhorns, you know, Saturday night, Chad, hosting UTEP. UTEP, you know, got a win this weekend uh, in their uh, their game against Stephen F. Austin, which might be a a little bit of surprise, even though it was a it was a uh, you know Stephen F. Austin being an FCS school. But uh, any concern, Chad? UTEP going to pull the upset in Austin Saturday night?
1: I don't think there's any concern on that. I'd be remiss to say, but it is Texas. Uh, I would be I would be taking the points with UTEP all day long, getting 42 points 42. there. Like yeah, I don't lot. even know if Texas's offense can put up 42 <laughs> points. I know Ellinger's coming back, but we lost a bit of the receiving core. Um, but th- that offensive line and that defensive line, there's a number of guys on there that are number one slated picks in the first and second round of next year so it could be pretty good but again first game i tend to think defense rules out i think it's time hard to get your timing right on the offensive side so i would i would tend to take the points on it
0: yeah. Well, kind of you know, moving one day into the future, right? Opening weekend uh, NFL Sunday is the big day there. And so I'm sure you'll be at chalk taking in all the games uh, Sunday Sunday afternoon or maybe Sunday morning, right? So I guess maybe get a yeah. little brunch in and get ready for the noon <laughs> kickoffs here. But uh, any, any, any matchups from an NFL standpoint that kind of jump out to you in the opening weekend on this uh, uh, Sunday?
1: Honestly, I kind of looked at, uh, and this one's a little off the wall, but I was kind of wondering why the Lions were one-point favorite over the Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, and home-field advantage is usually say, you know, in Vegas they say two-and-a-half, three points uh, for home-field advantage. So you figure, like on a neutral field, the Bears are going to be favored by a point-and-a-half or two. But I sit there and I go, ah, I, I, you know, the Bears have their back against the wall. They know they got to come out with something. They're professionals, right? So I don't think the pressure is going to. Handle to him, um, you know. I, I, I don't know. I think. I think Stafford. Um, I, I really think he's had a hard off season with his wife and all that. And I know he's the consummate professional, but you know, to how many times can you stay in a system and keep sitting there going, yeah, it's going to work this year, it's going to work this year? It's. Gonna, I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? Is yep. doing the same thing over and over, thinking it's going to get better. So I tend to think the Bears actually escape. Um Ford Field with a win on this one, um and that's where that's a matchup that I kind of look at too. Uh, you know it, it's the same thing with like the Eagles and the Washington football team. I think Washington's got to be terrible, and I think Ron Rivera knows it. I think it's an absolute barn burner over there. Um, I don't know if they're going to burn that whole organization to the ground and try and start over. Um, I don't think it's a situation like we saw with Carolina a few years back where the NFL actually f- kind of forced a sale behind the scenes or a, or a Steve Ballmer situation. But I think it's – excuse me, not a Steve Ballmer situation with the with the Clippers. Uh, but I think it's going to that, that situation. I think it's going to be bad, and I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Goodell – to get something done here, and uh, let's be honest, that guy's job is terrible too. Yeah. yeah. Uh I, I know he gets fifty million a year, but he gets critics from all angles. Whether it's you, I, all <laughs> the owners, like, and he can't do anything right. If he if he tries to play it by the by the rules and do the same thing with everything, and all of a sudden he he's got a power struggle with Jerry Jones. Like, what what's the right situation for that guy?
0: Yeah, you want to talk about a, a, a position <sighs> being politicized? He's he's going to piss off half the country no matter what. Oh my so, gosh! But, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and you know he hasn't helped himself right from a PR standpoint and, no. and some of the things that he said or done in the past but you know we, we've made we've made a couple references to it already but you talk about guys or organizations or teams that have had a shitty 2020 my goodness the Washington <laughs> football team I uh, mean they're, they're they're just ready to go ahead and get this 2020 yeah. season over with you know end up with another top five draft pick probably <laughs> and uh, uh, move on to whatever's next and stuff but uh, you know I'll tell you you know I've been watching hard knocks and I'm sure you probably have on HBO yep, as Chargers well, Chad, but I'm super super stoked you know my Cowboys, Chad. You know, open it up Sunday night you know SoFi Stadium in LA and you know the 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 pictures from the video or the images of of that SoFi Stadium is just incredible you know it's it's, gorgeous disappointing that you know there's not gonna be any fans in the stadium and so that that part of it kind of sucks but excited to see you know the first first game in that new stadium there Sunday night and uh you know we made mention of uh, Dak Prescott and kind of where the Cowboys are at right now and there's always high expectations for the Cowboys going into the season we'll we'll talk a little bit about that here on on our prop bets uh, coming up in a moment but but uh, I'm just kind of excited to see the fill um, in that stadium for a real game uh, Sunday yeah. night. That's going to be a lot of fun.
1: I, I think the same thing too with the Raiders, man, the Las Vegas Raiders. Like the, those, yeah. the, these, these owners had gone out and built gems of stadiums. And I, I think it's sad on one instance that we're in this situation as we are as a country. But at the same time, it's like, Man, you just feel for those owners and you just want fans to be in those stadiums, packing them out, cheering on their team, seeing all the cool tech that's gone into some of these these billion-dollar palaces. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they they really are. It's crazy, you know. I don't I don't know if it started with Jerry's World, but obviously that that's the one that kind of comes to mind. You know, ten ten twelve years ago. I mean, it's yeah. crazy to think that 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 stadium's kind of getting old now. So I want to ah. say thousand seven two thousand eight, whatever it was. So 12, 13 yeah. years old now. But uh, yeah, they, they it's a, it's an arms race from that standpoint, uh, just to kind of see these new stadiums getting built. But uh, that SoFi Stadium and then the Raider, Raider Stadium in Vegas, there on the south end of the Strip. Uh, those two do not disappoint from an aesthetic feel, for sure. So, uh, <laughs> well, Chad, well, let's get into it, man. You know, kind of the main thing that we wanted to cover uh, for the listeners today was, was Prop bets, right? Futures bet, prop bets for both the NFL and college. You know, the the season kicks off really in 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 earnest this this week. You know, Thursday night um, for the NFL and in the ACC at least, and then Saturday Sunday is really what I would consider the first real weekend of both college football and the NFL. And so we've kind of gone through and made some made some picks uh, from our point of view as to as to what stands out from us on, on typical prop bets and stuff. And so you know, the first one that's on the uh, on the board there would be a team of futures, futures bet on wins. Who do you like going over from an NFL standpoint this year? And, and I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off, Chad, in, in one of them, it, you, you kind of lent it to me or at least planted the seed whenever we were talking about this a week or so ago, but I think people are sleeping on the Atlanta Falcons at seven and a half wins, man. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the NFC South. Obviously you've got the bucks and the saints that are going to be really, really good in that division, but, I think they could be sneaky good. I think they could maybe get into the playoffs at 9-7 and seven or 10-6. and six. You know, Obviously, there's an extra wild card spot this year. Yep. I think 7.5 is too low, man. I think that offense is going to be really, really good. And, and I like the over uh, on the Falcons at 7.5.
1: I'm with you there. I love the Falcons. Uh, I, I just have this feeling that the Saints are going to have a down year. I think it, I think it's about time for the transition from Drew Brees uh, and, and where they move on from there. I'm going to tell you the one I look at, and you kind of planted the seed with me, so we'll do a little reciprocal there, this for that. The Seattle Seahawks at nine and a half, I think, I understand the West is good and the NFC is good, but I think they can get to 10 wins. I think they can get to 10 or 11, maybe 12 wins, uh, pretty relatively easy. Uh, You know, I, I love Russell Westbrook or Russell Wilson. Excuse me. I think he's in the prime of his career and also adding DK Metcalf last year. I think that dude's going to have a monster year for a second year.
0: Yeah, well, we'll get to Seattle here in a moment. You know I love them, Chad. So, But, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. I like that overpick. Well, let's let's go to the other end of the spectrum, spectrum Chad. And this might be one we disagree upon here uh, in, in our prior conversations uh, earlier this week. Yep. But on the underside, who jumps out to you from a Twins total from an understand point? You know, I – I'm going with the Jaguars, man. I know it's yep. at four and a half, and I know they're at the bottom uh, of, the, of the totem pole, so to speak, from a, from a wins total now, but I think they're in full tank mode, man. I think they're going to – you know, used to be suck for luck or, or, or yep. whatever these yep. – these, I don't know what the rhyme or the alliteration is for Trevor Lawrence uh, in, in, in next, uh, next year's draft, but I think Jacksonville's all in on a tank year, and I think they're looking for a new quarterback with the number one pick. And so I'm going to take the Jaguars under four and a half.
1: I, I like that, you know, I, I like the reasoning with it, so to speak, of just trying to tank year they're getting rid of all their assets, like you said, they're just dumping the truck. Um, I look at the barn burner and the shit show that we we're talking about earlier at Washington, and one of those is, how do you work through that? I know, I understand you're a professional, you're a player, but you know, that's got to be deep seated in the organization. It's going to start playing into you like, Hey, do I really want to play for this organization? There's some racial bias. There's some sexual bias here. Is this something I want to do? And also they're breaking in Dwayne Haskins who I'm not sold on. Uh, You know, I've read a couple different articles that talk about them trying to take the, uh, the South Dakota or the, excuse me, the North Dakota state kid, yep, yep. Um, Lance uh, at quarterback with probably the third or fourth pick. Cause that's kind of where Vegas is slotting them is they're going to get third or fourth. But I, I look at five, five and a half wins. And I just sit there and go, you know what? You're playing in the NFC East. The Eagles are going to be good. The Cowboys are going to be good. Uh, I think the giants with a change of leadership there are going to be sneaky. Good. Be I th- good. I'm more high on Daniel Jones than I am on Dwayne Haskins, which I wasn't two drafts ago, but you know, kudos to Gettleman uh, for choosing Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins.
0: Yep, no, I, I think the Giants will be improved this year for sure. Now, again, like you said, it's a tough, tough division to kind of move up in right now with the Eagles and Cowboys, but the are Giants probably maybe a year or two away uh, they're putting the offensive pieces right. together for sure. They shore up that defense in the next couple of drafts, and, and I'm with you. I think I think they're on the ascendancy for sure. But yeah, can't can't argue with Washington either. I, th- I think that's a dumpster fire, and uh, um, it, it's a race to the bottom uh, between those two uh, two teams. I think, and so so we're oh, like, two two good picks there. But we'll, well, I mean, let's 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 take a look at what we think from a Super Bowl standpoint, Chad. So who who are you liking from a Super Bowl standpoint? I'll I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, you yep. kind of kind of who who you uh, who you picking uh, from an odd standpoint what, what's your best bet to win the Super Bowl uh,
1: And on this, I kind of looked at it as what I think was great value yep. Yep. Um, Obviously I love the Chiefs, I love the Ravens. I love those those high end guys, but if I'm gonna place a futures bet, I'm gonna get someone that's got some value that's got some long term um, or some long shot potential on this. And I look at the Colts. I look at the Colts down there at 25 to one. I think Phillip rivers comes in and actually makes that offense legitimate. You've got Paris Campbell, you got T Y Hilton. You now got Jonathan Taylor in that backfield. And I think Frank Wright is a pretty good coach. And I, you know, I, I always say that the AFC South is, uh, usually the one that you can, you can make some headway in.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I think that that division is is all those teams are about the same, or at least they have been. But yep. one thing you have to say, the Colts have just had amazing drafts over the last couple of years. I mean, they, they really they hit it out of the park. And, and the young talent, and we talked about it earlier, right? So drafting those young players that are on rookie contracts who maybe are a little bit ahead from a player development standpoint on their progression, you know, that's how you win. And you bring in a quarterback yeah. like Philip Rivers, who's been there, done that, who's going to be a steady hand at the wheel. I I, I like that pick from a value standpoint for sure at twenty five to one. So uh, I, I like that value. Well, I mean, we we, we alluded to it earlier. You know that I, I've got a man crush on the Seahawks this year. You're, <laughs> that that ranges between sixteen to one, twenty to one, again depending upon which book you're looking at. But right, um, I I think I think they've got all the elements, man. They've got the quarterback. Um, they, they've got got a solid defense. Pete Carroll, uh, you know, is is kind of a, a an asshat to a certain degree you know from a, yeah. um, interactions with the media and everybody thinks back to his history at USC but the guy can coach defense for sure and, and, and he's had a lot of success everywhere he's been you know he, even he, you know you, you think back to that early Patriot stint and kind of you know didn't yeah. work out there so much but everywhere else man he's been a pretty good coach and so I like I like the Seahawks at somewhere between 16 to 1 and 20 to 1 for Super Bowl champs
1: absolutely and you you think they've got the foundation built right like it's there. It's not like you know, Super Bowl champions come as a flash in the pan. And so when you look at value, like why are they a bigger long shot than the Cowboys or the Buccaneers in that in that regard?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I I, I agree totally. So um, no, I I think that that one will be will be fun to kind of see that NFC West, man. It's tough. Like I said, they're they're yeah. the 49ers are good, the Rams are good, the 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 Colts are. Colts are on the ascendancy there, so I, I'm really going to be excited to see that division kind of play out uh, over over the, the the weeks to come. So, well, you know, one of the other prop bets that's always a lot of fun to to, to, to pick early in the season is that of NFL MVP, Chad. So, yep. um, you know, I, I went with the chalk here, man. So, I, yep. I, I just think, I think Mahomes is just going to light it up from a stats standpoint. I think the Chiefs are going to run away with that AFC West. Not going to go out on a limb per se and say they're going to get that one seed and get the buy, but they're going to be good. They're going to win. He's going to put up amazing numbers. And so at four to one, um, you know, we're at three and a half, 350, plus 350, plus 400. Again, depending upon the book, I'm, I'm going to go with chalk and go with Mahomes here.
1: Yeah. And I can't fault that pick at all. And when I looked at it, like I, I prefaced this earlier, I looked for value and um, someone that I would sit there and go, I know this is going to be out of left field or whatnot. His stats are may not going to be amazing, but he's going to score touchdowns and he's got a defense behind him that I think is going to carry them to the AFC East. I like Josh Allen at 5,000 to one or mm-hmm plus 5,000, you know, basically 50 to one.
0: Yeah, no, uh, yeah, and you have to think that this is going to be the season that the Patriots conceivably could be unseated in the AFC East, absolutely, right? So, absolutely, I absolutely. Mean, the, the, the Bills, I think, are favorite. Open. Yeah, I think the Bills might be a yeah. slight favorite to win that division. And you can kind of see the progression again over the last two seasons. Yeah. It seems like the Bills are trending in the right direction. They play good defense. Uh, Allen, I think, has been perhaps a little bit better than maybe certainly what I thought he was going to be as a high draft pick for Wyoming for sure. And so he fits he kinda, that offense, right? Yeah, I yep,
1: mean, it, yep. just a big quarterback. He's got a gun for an arm. He's now got Stephon Diggs, and he can ru- He can rush for a hundred yards in a game.
0: Yeah, you now he—that's—he's he, such a big guy, but he's surprisingly mobile to be such a big guy. And so he, he right. has a lot of rushing touchdowns. So yeah, I I agree. I like that. I think there's good value uh, from that standpoint as well. Well, let's take a look at uh, any 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 thoughts. You know, one of the other fun picks that kind of come in is is that of of rookie of the year chad so in, any thoughts from a offensive rookie of the year who who's the best value there
1: i went it, it, along the lines with you having a man crush um on on the chiefs and mahomes i went with the chalk here i went clyde edwards solaire at plus 360 and if you ask me for a long shot i look at Jalen rager out there at the eagles at plus 2000 yep
0: nope if i like that pick uh you know it's it hard for me to not be a homer you know i i, I C- pick C.D. Lamb here, right? So f- fifteen to 1, 20 to one, whatever that might be. Uh, sooner yep. going to the Cowboys, my my two favorite teams. But I, I tried to avoid it. But you know, we keep talking up the Colts and giving them some love. But I like Jonathan Taylor. I think that Colts offensive yeah. line is really, really good. I I, I think uh, um, you know having that safety blanket to turn around and hand off uh, for for, for Philip Rivers. To, uh, and, and we've seen what Jonathan Taylor's done um, from, from a – from a, uh, fantasy standpoint in college football uh, uh, at Wisconsin for the last three years. Yeah. I think he's NFL ready, man. I think he was NFL ready as a freshman, to be honest with you. And so uh, he, he's, he's just been amazing. He's produced stats at, at every level against quality competition in the Big 12 year in and year out. And, and yeah. I really like him. I, I think he's a 1,000-yard rusher, and, and I like him at 9-1, uh, you know, to one, uh, give or take, uh, again, depending upon the book, is, is, is good value there. Well, Chad, let's, let's, let's jump ahead to college football. Um, in, in kind of the, uh, uh, some of the picks that we have on that standpoint with regards to, you know, obviously it's a weird year in college football. You have the big 10 and the PAC 12 postponing or setting out and that's, that's obviously the big 10 might be waffling on that a little bit, but you know, who, who jumps out to you, uh, from, you know, perhaps making a playoff, perhaps a national championship, you know, where, where do you see value there, uh, from a college football standpoint in this weird 2020 season? (laughs)
1: I like Auburn man at, you know, basically plus 4,000, 40 to one. I think this is a year they could come out um, of the sec West. Um, I think they could unseat it. And I think, if you make the SEC championship game this year, I think you're getting into the playoff. I think there will be you, you'll have the Big Twelve champion, um, you'll have the ACC champion, and then I think it will be it'll just come down to whoever makes both the SEC championship. So the the winner of the West, winner of the East, and I think at forty to one, that is enough for me to jump
0: yep no I, I think you know most of the experts and it seems like the betting odds are along those lines as well is that you know two SEC teams is likely to get into the playoff at the year yeah. end. and and that's that's been the case during normal years or the last few years as well. but there seems to be this sentiment that whoever mm-hmm. wins the big 12 is going to get in, whoever wins the ACC, Clemson, uh, is going to get in, and then you know two teams likely from the SEC. Uh, obviously, whoever the conference champ is, and then maybe that team from the East, right? That doesn't make it uh, yeah. uh, into the into the conference uh, championship, or like you said, uh, as Auburn from the West. But you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of folks are debating about Georgia or Florida coming out of the East, and you know, I I really like Florida to come out of the East. To be honest, with yeah. you. I think there's value there. I, I think. You know the loss of Jamie Newman this this late in camp. You know he's going to opt out for Georgia. Uh, You know that you have to that throws you for a loop, man. So if the guy that you think is going to be your starting quarterback, you know, gets to you know Labor Day weekend and says, "Yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm out." You know, they obviously went out and got JT Daniels, the transfer from USC, on that front, who's. Been practicing, but he's yet to be medically cleared to actually play in a game, and so I think there's just a little bit of more of a question mark uh, for the Bulldogs now in the SEC East for sure. And so I kind of like Florida coming out of the East uh, on that front. Um, and, and, and you know, my my four four playoff teams this year, and, and you'll you'll get a kick out of this, you'll love it, Chad. But I had Alabama, Florida, Clemson, and your Texas Longhorns. Uh, so so I'm there. There might be a little bit of a reverse jinx on that front to to pick Texas to win the Big Twelve. I'm, I'm so, sure you're but, doing
1: that, but yeah. in all honesty. You look at Texas on paper; they should be good. You've got yep. a solid quarterback coming back. You have got Bulldogs up front on both sides of the ball, and you've got some defensive help. They should be good.
0: Yeah, sixteen to one to make the playoff. You know, that you're getting some value. So,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: No, but I I agree. You know, obviously. It, Oklahoma at twelve to one to make the playoff. There, um, you know, I think that that's a, that's a safe bet, but I don't know what what the value there. I, I just think the Sooners have too much too many question marks, right? So, uh, yeah. I, for the most part, everybody seems to think Spencer Rattler is going to do a really good job. He's plugging into that offense that has just put up, you know. PlayStation numbers uh, for the last uh, five years uh, or so uh, under under Lincoln Riley's direction, whether it be OC or head coach. And so I don't think that will change. I think the defense still may be a year away. They've had some guys opt out. Kennedy Brooks at running back. Jalen Redmond this week, a defensive lineman that was projected to be a starter, had been a starter last year, opted out. And then you still have some guys that are coming you know, from a suspension uh, from last year, Ramon J. Stevenson. Uh, and others at running back, and they're they're super thin at running back now because of that, and Kennedy Brooks opting out. I think too many question marks for the Sooners. You know, five, five straight years of Big 12 championships is, is an impressive feat, but I think this is the year that Texas catches them because of those elements, right? You have the senior yep. quarterback, you've got the stud Heisman uh, candidate coming back, and then I think they've got enough pieces to put it together this year.
1: Yeah, and you, you think about it. I. I look at the Big 12 this year. I, I'm kind of with you. It's kind of wide open. It's a year that a Oklahoma State could sneak in there. It's a year that a TCU could sneak in there. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to go talent. Like I with Celtics and Heat, I'm going to take the talent. I'll take the Celtics. But on this as well, I'm going to take the talent. I would take Texas.
0: Yeah, I. I really wanted. I wanted to make myself pick Oklahoma State, Chad. I think the elements coming back on offense are all there, and I think they're going to be fun and exciting to watch. You know, Chuba Hubbard coming back at running back, Tylen Wallace coming back off injury. They've they've actually had a couple transfers in at receiver, too. I think that offense is going to be absolutely loaded. But there's still question marks on that defense, man. I think there's they're probably going to lose a game, 45-42 along the way that maybe they shouldn't, right? To whether yeah, it's they, Iowa need, they State need a defensive or, stop, yeah, and yeah. they just
1: can't get it in the final seconds. So, yeah. You know, that's that's always been the thing with Mike Gundy, right?
0: Yeah, and, and um, I think they're you know, going to be good, but I just I can't yeah. make myself pick them to win the conference. But they're gonna, they're a tough out, right? Yeah, they're a tough out,
1: but they're always going to drop one or two.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and you know, we, we so we talked about SEC, we talked about the Big Twelve. Any is, is there any discussion, Chad? on – on picking anyone other than Clemson in the ACC, obviously you got to lay a ton of money, and there's no value there. I I I, I thought that there might be some value on North Carolina. At sixteen yeah. to one, but man, Clemson's a big like favorite that. for a reason. You
1: know, you know, you got Mac Brown coming in there, and it seems like these kids love Mac Brown. Like he, he is universally loved wherever he can get. I just think I'm, I'm with you. I think the talent that Clemson has may be too much to overcome. If I, if I had to put money, any money on it, I might look at Miami. I might look at Notre Dame, but it's. I don't think a long shot's coming out of here. You're not seeing NC State. You're not seeing Louisville climb to the top of the heap here.
0: Yep. No, and that I'll tell you that the game that that could determine uh, at least who's a factor in the ACC outside of Clemson is when Notre Dame goes to North Carolina. And I think that yeah. game's towards the end of November. And I looked at North Carolina's schedule, and that's kind of why I lean that way is that man, I, they've got a chance to be 7-0, 8-0 when, when Notre Dame comes to town, I think. And so I, I think that that momentum might get them there. And, and then, you know, maybe they drop one along the way, but if they can beat yeah. Notre Dame, you know, Clemson goes to Notre Dame, I think, in early November, and that's obviously going to be a big game to watch too. You assume that maybe Clemson wins that game. Notre Dame has one, one loss on the record, and if they go down to North Carolina and Carolina gets them – you know, I think Carolina could be that 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 second team that gets in the ACC championship. But I think Notre Dame's going to be really good this year as well. So obviously, they, yeah, they've got they've definitely got the no guarantees.
1: But I'm I'm not betting against Clemson.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's take 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 a quick look, Chad, at the American Athletic Conference. You know, we mentioned it earlier that you know maybe this could be a year that the AAC, a G five conference, slips someone into the playoff. You know, Central Florida is the heavy favorite there at, at, at minus 110, but you're, you get some decent value on Memphis and Cincinnati at plus 400 there at four to one. Anybody jumping out to you on the AC, AAC, I should say? <laughs>
1: Have these odds changed to give Navy, you know, oh, yeah. after after their butt whooping at BYU, <laughs> did they go down to 6,000 to one? Probably getting some better odds <laughs> at this point
0: than 25 to one on the midshipman for sure.
1: Man, I was kind of, you know, I, I get it. You know, Memphis came out as their first game. They still got a win over Arkansas State. They were favored by 18. I think they ended up winning by 10 or 13, something like that. I think Thirteen. Yep. Um, but they were a little disappointing, right? But at the same time, I give everybody a pass on their first game, kind of just get a win under your belt. Anything's good. At that point, and we'll go from there. But I, I would tend to lean more Bearcats at that after watching the Tigers.
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of people were on Cincinnati heavy this year, right? So you know you got, yeah. you, got you got a good defense. Uh, they seem to have all the elements there. They were so close last year, right? So you know Memphis beat totally. them twice last year, uh, and both games were really really close. And so you know does, does Cincinnati kind of kind of jump ahead? You know Memphis obviously had you know, arguably their best player Kenneth Gainwell. He opted out right before the season started, and and I lean ever so slightly towards Memphis uh, just simply because of Brady White senior quarterback I, I do yeah. think you have some continuity there with Ryan Silverfield staying you know he was the offensive coordinator we talked about Michael Norvell going to Florida State and taking that job uh, in the offseason I think you can have some continuity there and, and I think that that offensive scheme over the last five years you know they, they've had they've pro- Tremendous production from the running back position. So losing Gainwell, that hurts, that stings for sure. I think Rodriguez-Clark and, and, and a couple other younger guys, um, they, they played well, you know, at least statistically against Arkansas State, uh, put up some decent stats there. But, but I think those guys can, can, can at least – Offset the loss of Gainwell and be competitive, but you know it's it's going to boil down to that three way you know during the regular season, right? Absolutely, Florida, Memphis, Cincinnati. You know who who beats whom, and then who who's able to get over the other in the conference championship. Yeah,
1: that round robin right there between the three, and you could you could leer realistically see all three having one win and come down to like point yep. differential or common opponent type stuff.
0: Yeah. It, it, I mean, I think, it, I think you're right. They, they could all have one loss and, and their only loss is to each other and some sort of round robin thing. And so see, seeing who gets into the uh, the conference championship game might, might be fun on that point. Uh, well quickly, Chad, we'll touch on conference USA and the Sunbelt, the, the, the remaining two conferences. We talked a little bit earlier about UAB, you know, they're kicking off against Miami, uh, it's their, their second game, but Miami's first game Thursday night. Uh, and and they're, they're a pretty good team. And obviously the value there from the betting odds standpoint is showing it, right? They're the favorite at plus 225. Uh, yep. And then second behind them is Florida Atlantic and Western Kentucky at 5-1. to one. Uh, Anybody jumping out to you in, in the Conference USA?
1: Uh, not taking Southern Miss. I'll tell you that,
0: um, to fire your coach after week one, one one
1: game. And now they got a 30 year old running the program. So I'm like, okay, good luck to you. Um, I like FAU here. Um, I think traditionally they've been pretty good. You know, I, I love the story with UAB though. Like you said, it'll be interesting to see if their football program does stay around after this and being canceled with the, you know, five years of each other or whatever (laughs) because of COVID. So we'll see.
0: No, I I, I lean towards the hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. You know, I think they overachieved last year, and and, and I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule on that front. Um, And and they play really good defense, right? They're really solid. They're not flashy. You know, you think a few years ago, you know, Western Kentucky was throwing the ball over the field. I think you had one of the Brahms there. Uh, um, And and, and they were known for kind of opening it up and, 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 you know, scoring 50 points a game. Uh, They've changed a lot. And so it's much more of a tradition traditional offense now, much more of a defense and grind it out. And I think you get a little bit of value there at five to one on, on the Hilltoppers. And so I lean, lean towards Western Kentucky, but yeah, UAB, they're the favorite for a reason, I think, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. And so lastly, Chad, the fun belt, man. So uh, again, yeah. a conference that does not get its due, man. I love watching these games, these midweek games in past years uh, on ESPN and getting the, the showcase for the Arkansas States and Appy States and Louisiana. Now, I, I love some of these teams, you know not just from a fantasy yeah. college perspective, but but just the stories behind some of these kids that maybe got passed over by the by the P five conferences and have a chip on their shoulder, yeah, but, transfer out, yeah, you know, yeah, I love it,
1: getting a chance to play.
0: Love the Sun Belt, love the Sun Belt, yep. but Appy State the favorite at minus one twenty five. There again, they had a great year last year. Um, any any value? Anybody jumping off the board to you in the Sun Belt?
1: I like Arkansas State at ten to one. I think they get they came out. They had a good showing against Memphis, like you said. They were a solid team. I think that offense is going to be pretty good this year. So I'm going to take Arkansas State at ten to one.
0: Okay, yeah, and you you called it. You know, there might be on an upset alert uh, with K State this weekend as well. So uh, Arkansas State's a lot of fun to watch too. So they throw the ball over the field and uh, and are fun there. I I lean again ever so slightly to Louisiana uh, Lafayette. Yeah. Um, I think they play good defense. I think their, their rushing attack um, uh, is, is, is a lot of fun to watch, too. And so you're getting a little bit, uh, you know, not a ton of value, but that plus that 275, plus 300, depending upon which book you're looking at. I, I like the Raging Cajuns to, from a value standpoint. But, again, a- Appy State, probably the favorite for a reason. Totally. Well, Okay, Chad, so so one of the last, last things we have to look at from a college football perspective is that of the Heisman Trophy. Now, a lot of books have actually taken their Heisman Trophy odds down because of the goofy schedule and COVID. Absolutely. But, but, you know, anybody jumping out to you, who do you like? You know, maybe the odds are – I'm gonna change a little bit because of COVID, but but who's your player? Who's your pick for Heisman trophy this year?
1: Man, if I look at value, I look at Mac Jones at Alabama, he had a fantastic end to the year uh running that offense that Tua ran. And if you can give me, you know, twenty to one on on a reliable guy that Hey, I've at least seen, you know, some of these guys are coming in for programs. Like you said, JT Daniel stepping up at Georgia. I have no idea what I'm going to get. I'm going to get long odds, but I have no idea. With Mac Jones, I at least know he's stepping into an Alabama offense. They're still loaded at wide receiver. They're going to be okay. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, over the last few years, it just seemed like it's been the best quarterback on the best team, right? Is It's, it's Absolutely. kind of what the Heisman Trophy. Well, I'm I'm going to buck that trend, Chad, and, and okay. give me Travis ETN at Clemson. Okay, yeah. Now, one of the last odds that I got had him at 25 to one that's probably come down a little bit now. So I, I would assume maybe in the 15 to 20 to one range, you know, you, you have to be concerned about maybe splitting some votes with Trevor Lawrence and, and you anticipate that Clemson's going to be really, really good, probably going to go right. undefeated in the regular season. Uh, and then those two guys are going to lead the way. But, but I think it makes a statement that those two guys in particular have been so vocal about saying, no, we're playing. We're not opting out. Both guys are, you know, anticipated to be top picks. Maybe Trevor Lawrence being the number one pick in next year's draft. But, you know, I think some people were somewhat surprised that ETN came back after his junior season.
1: I I was definitely in that boat. I was surprised because I thought it was was a pretty strong running back class. And, uh, you know, maybe he felt that he was going to be in, you know, fourth or fifth round or whatnot because he's on the smaller side, if I remember correctly. Uh, But... I think he'll, he'll, I think he'll go higher this year, but I, I tend to sit there and think the same thing with everybody else and the, 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 the consensus is if you're a running back, get into the draft as fast as you can because you're taking a year of wear and tear off your body and putting it to pay for play in the NFL.
0: Well, I I think those Clemson guys, they have a little bit of air about them of unfinished business, man. And so, you know, that I might be foreshadowing my pick for two out of three. Yeah. Yeah. But I I I like Travis Etienne. You know, I think there's a little bit of a question mark. Now the talent's going to be there at wide receiver for Clemson, that's for sure. But you know, Justin Ross, you know, obviously gonna miss the season. Uh, and, and they've got a couple of guys that were five stars, highly recruited. Uh, jo- Joseph and is one of them. And then a couple other guys, uh, Armani Rogers is another one that, that played a little bit last year who are stepping into those roles. But um, I think Clemson early on might lean on the running game just a bit. And so I think that's yeah. going to pad some stats for ETN and then they'll continue to ride him as the season goes on. But I think you're getting some good value there. If you can get ETN in the 20, 20 to one, 25 to one range for the Heisman. Mm-hmm.
1: Can't argue with it, my man.
0: God. Well, I mean, I foreshadowed a little bit, Chad. National champ, right? So who who do you like from a college football national champ pick? The overall odds there, you know. I'm I'm gonna again, it's chalk, right? So, but yeah. Clemson even at two to one, man. So I think I think you there's, still think you're value. getting good value yeah, at two man, to one, right? I, I, just, I mean, I think they're a team on a mission. So
1: yeah. I'm right there with you. I think it, when you look at you look at a Clemson, um, you look at an Alabama. I, you know, I foreshadowed. I thought at, uh, Auburn at you know forty to one might be the way to go outside the SEC West. But if if you're asking me to actually pick the national title, uh, I, I obviously love a story like Texas with Ellinger. I think OU is just going to reload and be really good. And I think Spencer Rattler is going to put up fantastic numbers. So I think they trip there. But I think it's either coming from clemson in the acc or i think it's coming from the west in sec i think it's either
0: alabama or auburn okay no i like those picks i like those picks well one last pick that's kind of a fun one it's it's looking way out into the future but i thought it would be fun for a discussion but kind of it merges the college football world uh prop world in the nfl prop world but the 2021 first pick in the nfl draft chad so uh trevor lawrence the favorite for sure, yep. I, I think he maybe even had to lay money. I think it might have been minus two hundred or something along those lines for him to be the first pick. But I went with Pinay Sewell, the offensive yeah. lineman, the tackle from Oregon. He, from he Oregon, just, yeah, he just, he just opted, opted it out. It out. Yep, I, I think he's a he's a he's a generational talent at that position. We know the NFL loves drafting left tackles. And so, yep. you know, you're getting some, a little bit of value at six to one, seven to one, depending upon the book. Now, again, I think Lawrence is the favorite for a reason. But if you want to have a little bit of value, I like Penee Well of Oregon.
1: I, I love that pick. Um, because I do think he's going to go in the top three. I think he is a generational talent. And I think this is a year that you might see NFL executives err on the side of caution, especially with COVID and all that stuff that's going on and who's actually playing and whatnot. And if you get an offensive lineman that has less wear and tear on his year, wonderful um I, I think the number one overall pick in the nfl like the past five years has been someone from out of nowhere i don't think anybody expected baker mayfield no one expected kyler murray no one expected joe burrow to yeah. jump up there same thing with the heisman trophy so uh you know if you're asking me off historical and looking at the past five years i do think it'll probably be a quarterback at some point um which quarterback it will be i i couldn't tell you i i look Mac Jones at Alabama looks good to me he's <laughs> yeah. he's a big strong kid and all that but I think I think having an offensive tackle or a defensive edge rusher is a very safe pick right here uh, so I'd look for a guy to make a name this year on that one guy that I would, I might actually from out of left field. um, I think you had him in your college, college fantasy football team. I look at Jamar Chase out of LSU, and I know he's opted out and all that, but that is a big, strong kid, and he was just too young last year, and every NFL exec wanted him. So you might see someone come up that, maybe gets the number one pick that likes their quarterback that sits there and goes we're going to pair him with the best offensive player in the draft and I think that's going to be Jamar Chase
0: yeah I was I was somewhat surprised that Jamar Chase waited so late to opt out because you know what what does he have left to prove he had a statistical season that was completely off the charts he wins a national championship with LSU you got Joe Burrow throwing you the ball you know I would anticipate that LSU probably comes back to earth a little bit this year absolutely so much talent Uh, the SEC West is so tough to begin with I, I I like them to fall back and so Probably I like a seven
1: of three, a six and four I, type I season for him.
0: I agree totally. I I think six and four is conceivably in play, but six and four, seven and three is probably about where I'd pick them as well. Uh but but you know what he has nothing left to prove. Probably a smart business decision. The tape's out there, man. So and he's gonna he's right. gonna he's gonna test off the charts during the pro day and stuff. And so I don't I don't think he does anything. Uh, to to improve his stock by playing this year on what would conceivably probably be a depleted LSU offense this year. So Absolutely. Probably be facing a lot of double teams if he did play. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. He just hurts his stock.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well Chad, man, I think we've covered it all in this initial podcast, man. This this is a mega cast, dude. So this this premier <laughs> edition is almost 90 minutes long now and so so I, I think all that's left now is to is to really to watch the games and see what happens, bud, but you know for our listeners, Chad, you know, where's the best place to follow you and some of your picks and everything that you've got going on at chalk and and then elsewhere as well
1: actually it's at chalk it's at chalk okc if you're on twitter it's at chalk okc on instagram i think we're going to do a little uh, pick them this year with with some of me and some of my staff out there and just have a little fun with it so you can see some of those picks coming up on twitter and instagram
0: well, that you got you guys got the got the handle there at Chalk OKC on Instagram. Follow uh, everything that Chad and the guys are doing there, and and I you know go 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 check it out, man. If you haven't been to Chalk yet, you're, you're missing out. It, it is a incredible experience. It, there's no better place to watch the game and have a beer and and have have some good food while you're at it as well. But well, but I appreciate you joining me on this maiden voyage here, and I look forward to the next one. And you know while th- this will wrap it up for episode one, you know the conversation doesn't end here, gang. So to keep it going, to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros network you know check us out at fantasy or on twitter at sports underscore pros and that's pros with an e p-r-o-s-e.com and at sports underscore pros p-r-o-s-e well, enjoy the games this week chad you know we'll talk to you next week bud and don't forget to check your tickets gang take care and good luck out there <laughs>